You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. You've now tuned in to the Drawing Board Podcast, a powerful, thought-provoking discussion where we talk about family, relationships, ministry, community, and career. Let's see what exciting guests we have on our show today. Great evening, Drawing Board Podcast. This is Andre Ebron, the founder and the host of the Drawing Board Podcast, where we talk about family, relationships, ministry, community, and career. Tonight, I wanted to take some time and talk to you all about uh, a very important topic to me, uh, which is mentorship. And our title for tonight is going to end up being Appreciate the Distance. A lot of times when we talk about mentorship, uh, sometimes it's at the behest of the mentee who's seeking out information, who's seeking out someone with expertise, who's either looking for someone who is an example of something they desire to become. Uh, sometimes it's based upon the absence of one relationship, so they supplement it with another relationship. Sometimes it is very targeted as to specific goals that they want to accomplish in their lives, and they want to connect to someone who has already succeeded or has the wisdom, knowledge, and information uh, whose life is proof positive that they have the wherewithal to instruct and direct them. Uh, and then there are other times where it just organically happens where you'll be in an environment and someone uh, will assume a mentorship role uh, to kind of, you know, show you the ropes um, who can give you the the life lessons or the wisdom. I like to give it an acronym of wise. I was just speaking uh, for King's Feast, Fort Wayne, Indiana, uh, with the Bloom Project, Inc. Uh, shout out to Arnetta and Sajada and the entire Bloom team for having me. And I started to give the acronym wise and got caught up in my talk. And I gave the W, which stood for wisdom. And wisdom is simply uh, information that has been applied, which becomes knowledge, and then knowledge that becomes applied and becomes wisdom. And for all of those who are studies, studiers or someone who studies the word of God, uh, the Bible knows that, you know, hey, the reverential fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And you have to make sure that you have a foundation for which you are applying this information to your life. I know for a fact uh, that there is more information out there than we actually know what to do with, that our children, that ourselves, that we're inundated with information about several different topics. You can look up. Um, one thing might say that red meat is healthy for you. Uh, something else may say that red meat is unhealthy for you. Something else may say that, you know, red meat is the number one cause of heart disease. Then another one may say that you need the protein from the red meat. The point that I'm making is that there is so much contradictory information out there that you have to have a foundation from which you select your information and that you ensure that you test that information uh, before you allow it to really get into your heart, to your spirit, into your mind. And so I say you must first have wisdom. That's what the W stands for. And then the I stands for insight. Uh, of course, you understand where I'm going with this, that a lot of times that our, our life, our decisions are dictated 
by what our eyesight is able to consume, that we begin to use our sensory perceptives, uh, perceptors in order to make decisions, what we can taste, touch, see, smell. Like those are the things that dictate our lives, which generally impact our emotions first and then our intellect. So a lot of the decisions that we're making, their emotive responses uh, to different stimulants in our environment. So a lot of times when things occur in our life, uh, our emotive response is what ends up producing the result. And when we look at it, I have never met a person, including myself, where my emotive response has produced a viable result that's in my best interest. Never met someone. And I can hear people out there uh, just retorting to, back to me saying, well, you know, Andre, there's a such thing as heart leadership and head leadership. Exactly. But what has been proven is that there must be a balance between the two of them. And heart leadership doesn't mean emotive responses. What it means is that you're able to operate with a level of compassion that a acknowledges the relational component before you get to the tactical component. It means before you become task oriented, that you acknowledge that there is a relational piece, that your social and emotional intelligence, it precedes your ability to just logically deduce what should be done and not just the bottom line, but uh, equating the human factor. So the I stands for insight. I was sharing with the young kings in Fort Wayne that a lot of times I see better means that I, I, I do this visualization exercise where I close my eyes and whatever um, whatever my objective is, whatever my goal is, whatever I'm working on, I visualize it already being done. And when I close my eyes, I'm able to tune out any t anything that would uh, produce any type of negative thought, doubt, fear, unbelief. And what I do is I begin to live, as my pastor would say, my pastor, Dr. Carolee Dixon would say, I will begin to live my life inside out as opposed to outside in, which means I'm being proactive. I have a plan. I, I allow myself to garner proper information. I allow that information to provide inspiration. And then I meditate on it and I'm able to get a revelation, which means the insight beyond just the information. It, it is a strategy to apply or a stratagem, something tactical, a plan to get to the desired result. So that's what you need. First, you need wisdom. All right. That's information, knowledge and application. So you get that. Then you get the insight, which means you get a strategy on how to apply the wisdom that you've garnered. And then uh, that's the insight. And then you go into the stratagem, the strategy, the plan. That's the S W I S. And then we get to the E, which is exposure and experiences. There are some tables, no matter how wealthy you become. Uh, there are some tables, no matter how much information or knowledge you possess, there are some tables that you must be invited to. That is the gift and the power of mentorship. Uh, you have to realize that a lot of times, and some of us have been hurt. We got a lot of pain. We have a lot of uh, people who have broken commitments to us, people who have failed uh, in maintaining uh, their word in an impeccable fashion. We have some people who have just flat out let us down. So you need to own the fact that, hey, you know what? I have an area where people have disappointed me and I have to have coping strategies in order to process through that disappointment because it's blocking my next level. So I'm sharing with you that is that you're not going to get where God has destined you to go or your destination without the help of someone else. The way that it was built is all success is interdependent. It is a continuum of things that should manifest the plan and the will of God. 
No matter what is going on, no matter what's happening outside of your life, all things are going to work together for the good of those who love the Lord, who are the called according to the purpose of God. So listen, no matter what your circumstance is, it does not negate the purpose of God. Uh, in scripture, it says many are the plans of a man heart, but it is God's intention or his purpose that will stand forever. Well, his purpose is his word. His word is his will. And, you know, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. So he and himself are one as it relates to his word. Here's the awesome thing about that is that angels hasten to perform the word in the will of God. And all you have to do is become a possessor of that word. All you have to do is hide that word in your heart that you may not miss the mark. And when you do that, you understand that it is a process to get wherever you're going. And that takes the angst out of it. That takes the anxiousness out of it. That takes the depressive state out of it when it's not happening fast enough. Because, you know, no matter what is going on, you know that all things are still working for your good. I think that's awesome. It uh for me. Um, I don't know if you all have been this way, but transparently I'll share. Man, sometimes when you're hurt, uh, you end up masking that with success. Like you are, you have the gifts, the talents, the abilities. You can draft up a plan. Like I told you guys, I had a five-year plan, a 10-year plan, 15-year plan, 20-year plan. And I'm talking about scribed out. I, I had it written out. Write the vision, make it plain so they that see it may run with. I had it already. But what it allowed me to do in that moment or phase of my life, and this is probably about uh, maybe about 13 years ago, 12, 13 years ago, um, what it allowed me to do was I would set goals up, knock them down, set them up, knock them down, set them up, knock them down. And I was accomplishing all of this success, but I as I was moving forward in, in that success, there was still some personal development that needed to happen. Like I kept rising to the ranks and getting up as high as I could go as it relates to my particular profession. And then I would have some type of fallout with the, with the, whoever was leading that charge. And then that opportunity would come to an end for me. And then I would become a part of something else and I would work my way, work my way up, set the goals up, knock them down, do what needed to be done. I would get I would get to the high point and then I would have another collapse in character because I hadn't done the professional, the the personal development piece. So then you get to a point where it's like, okay, hey, listen, this is this is something that seems to be a repeat in my life. I keep going around and I can hear my church people saying, keep going around this wilderness, you know, over and over again until something within me dies out and something else is new birth within my character. Here's the good point is that God will continue to give you the grace until you have been able to come smack dead in front of yourself where the truth provides you the opportunity. Here's a good thing. Here's a point. Write this down. Is that whenever truth comes to you, the grace of God also comes that you might change. You say, how do you know that, Ebron? Because it says that our Lord and Savior came, what, in grace and truth. So that means if you have, my pastor says, if you have too much truth, you dry up. If you have too much grace, you blow up. But the balance of grace and truth will cause you to grow up. And so that's what I was able to do. Come to a point where we mature, we grow up, and we realize that there are some tables, my point, that you will not even be able to access no matter what level of success you achieve until you are invited. So that gives you exposure. Uh, and then we talk about experience. Uh, I love being around as, you know, the kid is always sitting around uh, all of the older people. 
not participating in the conversations. Oh, no. When I was young, uh, my lips would have been uh, swiftly met with a backhand like I was sharing with the Kings. Uh, it was almost like your parents had uh, like they were like Stretch Armstrong or um, I forget out of the Fab Five. What is the name of the, the lady who who also has the ability to stretch? But they could just reach out and touch you real good. Uh, when you were not <laughs> or you were not in your place, quote unquote. So I learned how to sit among wisdom and to listen. Uh, and then I would wait till the conversation was over and I would have a myriad of questions. Like I just was always very inquisitive and I always wanted to find out uh, like why they thought what they thought or why they made certain decisions they made or what was the purpose of this thing. I just always and I am that way still now. Uh, and I just I had a knack for like asking questions and sometimes that can get annoying. I already know. But I felt like my desire to know was greater than the annoyance that I was producing for certain people, because I was like, listen, I have a hunger and thirst for this knowledge and I need to ask this question and I'm going to continue to ask you. And here's the honor. Here, here's the honor of, of, about that request is I would not ask them a question that I didn't believe they had the answer to. And I was not going to let up on the questioning because I felt it, they had something that I needed. So I was the young kid uh, who always sat among the older people uh, as a younger guy. Even now, uh, people say, man, you have such an old soul. Yeah, I just. I just felt like if I could vicariously learn from somebody else, that that would accelerate my process of achieving my goals. And so you need to learn from other people's experiences. Um, I, some of my mentors or some of my older family members, they would say things like, you know, I didn't get this old by accident, which means that it's something in our older generation that needs to be harnessed and passed down to our younger generations, including me. Uh, if you look at um, if you look at churches, if you look at businesses, if you look at uh, nonprofits, no matter what it is like, there is such a huge transition and a shift of things happening right now uh, where like leaderships leadership is changing. Younger generations are stepping up to lead. And I share with some of my peers, I say, you know, the people that we follow, like we've had a chance to incubate. We've had a chance to grow in like certain, certain levels of obscurity uh, because our mentors that we're shadowing now, like they were already leading uh, at our age. And I mean, I already know, hey, listen, our generation uh, doing some really awesome things. But I'm talking about like the generation that we follow. They were pioneers. Uh, they were pushing into uncharted territory. They were going down the unbeaten path. Uh, there was no script for them. A lot of them didn't have mentors, but they in turn are now mentors to us. And so you have to honor a pioneer because they, they didn't just innovate. They were part, they were, uh, co-generating, uh, with, I believe, co-generating with God to establish a new protocol, to establish, uh, new standards, to establish levels of excellence that future generations could come behind and improve. So what do we have to do um, to honor that? Well, there has to be some level of reciprocation. And this is what I mean by appreciate the distance is that no matter how much you grow, 
And I'm not just talking about the accumulation of financial wealth because my pastor, Dr. Carolee Dixon, always says that prosperity is more than a dollar sign. Now, I'm not even talking about like your level of degree. Uh, you may go on to get your doctorate degree and your mentor may have had a high school diploma, but has so much wisdom on how to navigate life's affairs. Like no matter how high you get, no matter how great you get, there has to be a level of honor that's still reciprocated in how you interact with those that have deposited truth, wisdom, life, insight, strategies, because there's still something that they have to deposit in you in order for you to get where you're going. Uh, if you we were in a church setting, we would say that there are mantles that still have to be passed on, that uh, you weren't able to even operate within your gifting until somebody called you out. And so you have to honor the person that was used to call you out because there is a connection spiritually that is necessary in order for you to even get to your next level. And what you don't want to do is you don't want to put that in detriment by thinking yourself greater than you should or looking at a person for what degree or level of usefulness that you think that they may have in your life now. And so this is for myself. Um, what I've learned to do is to prioritize the relationship above the deposit. And you may say, Ebron, what do you mean by that? I mean that you have to, with your mentor, you have to learn of the person of who it is and not just what they're able to give you. Uh, you have to be able to honor them uh, no matter what state they are in. And you have to ensure by all means, by all means, that you appreciate the distance. Uh, my, my mentor uh, out of Fort Wayne, Indiana, Apostle Dr. Oscar J. Dowdell Underwood Jr., I remember being a young guy, a uh, younger guy, and uh, he was preaching and he was he was sharing with uh, in, in the midst of his message. He says, by the time you learn this, I'm already on to the next. And he shared with me uh, kind of in his chambers, like uh, in his office, he was saying that when a lot of preachers preach or a lot of leaders lead, they are sharing with the masses from their overflow. But there's such a degree of revelation or more information that they have that they haven't even yet processed to share. Because here's things, leaders, take it in, come close, is that you may have a wealth of information. You as a preacher or a teacher or an evangelist or a prophet or an apostle or a leader, you might have so much serious revelation, but you have to work with the pace of the people as they grow. Simple thing. I was sharing with the mentors at King's Feast. I was saying, if you begin to share more than what you should in any given moment, it would be like racking up weights on a bench press more than what the young man could actually lift, taking the bar off and letting that weight crush his chest. You have to give the people who are following you time to process and grow. Here's the awesome thing about the leaders that I've served under is that God has given them a rhythm and a pace for each person that follows them. How they've been able to do that uh, so strategically and successfully, I know it's the grace of God and some intentional strategy on their part uh, given to them by way of the Holy Spirit. But literally for each person, God has given them a plan when it's time to elevate them, when it's time to grow them when it's time to chastise, rebuke, and correct them. And 
what ends up happening is the level of growth is contingent upon the response of the person. I heard uh, Bishop Jake say this one time, and it applied to so many relationships that I have uh, with people whom I respect. And it was saying, I know when someone is ready to go to the next level by the way they respond to an opportunity that I give them. I share with the kings. And so I took that knowledge and I share with the kings. I said, the way you respond to somebody giving you an opportunity is that you honor it by taking action. Man, let me tell you, I work so diligently on a daily basis. I text my mom. Um, what was that? I text her last night. I think it was yeah last night or Sunday. No, yeah, last night, Monday night. Um, I text her a picture of me. I was blessed to be in the Journal Gazette for my time with Bloom Project and, and at King's Feast. And I text her the picture just to let her know and just to affirm for her that like her sacrifice was not in vain. I just feel and it's in my it's just in me. Um, there are three dominant voices that fight for the microphone uh, whenever you hear me speak. Um, that of Dr. Jeanette Louise Suttle Ebron, that's my mom. Um, and then that of Apostle Dr. Oscar J. Dowdell Underwood Jr., uh, the pastor and my mentor at Cathedral of Praise International. And then my, my current, my, my pastor, uh, in Detroit, Michigan, my mentor in Detroit, Michigan, um, the chief apostle, Dr. Carol Lee Dixon, uh, from time to time, when you hear me speak, you're going to hear messages that they preach because when they take the time to pour into me, I take that so seriously because um, I, I do believe, A, they are charged by God uh, to deposit something in me that I might be able to share with the world. Uh, but B, I also know that their relationship to me has such a generational impact because I've seen how like barriers have been broken in my personal life. And how then God has used me in the school system uh, when I worked in the the uh, social service system, foster care system to help break barriers for others. There are so many prophetic words that are have yet to come to pass in my life um, that have been spoken by each one of those people that I mentioned. And I realized that some prophetic utterance, uh, you come to a point where it engages with time, like the timing. It's almost like divine release, like divine time release, where you mature to a point where, as my pastor has been declaring all year long, that you're in a new chapter. And so you have to navigate those principles of faith all over again. And so for those three people that I mentioned, although my mom is my mom, I have to keep a healthy distance uh, as her son to respect and be able to receive of what God has given her for me. Although Dr. Underwood, uh, my headmaster from the school that I graduated from, extremely personable, always shows me love, always encourages me. Um, I have to keep a healthy distance so that I don't take for granted what he may say. And it'd be a message directly from God, from my, my, my pastor, the chief apostle, Dr. Carolee Dixon. I have to keep a healthy distance so that you never take these relationships for common because these are extraordinary relationships where the spiritual currency of faith is built in my life. And I know there are relationships in your life where there's an exchange of divine information that ignites a what God already put inside of you. 
And when you become too common or, you know, in church setting, I can hear people saying uh, the spirit of familiarity. When you become too familiar in that relationship, then what it does is it cuts off the divine flow and you only begin to operate in the soulish realm, the soulish realm, what you think, how you feel. And I'm sorry to t- when well, I'm not sorry to tell you, but I'm going to let you know that some of your mentorship relationships have come to a halt because it was never there to just encourage your soulish growth. It was there as a spiritual connect and that divine information in the spiritual connect influenced what you did with your mind, your will, your emotions, helped govern it. But when you begin to violate the original plan and intent for that relationship in some way, shape, form or fashion, there's going to be a level of abuse and misunderstanding. So now what you have to do is appreciate the distance. And appreciate the closeness. When I say the distance, I don't mean that you have to be far away, but you have to maintain. Okay, I know you want me to quantify it, qualify it. I'm sorry. In one word. When I say appreciate the distance, what I'm saying is you have to maintain a level of honor. And what provoked uh, me to share this tonight is I was looking at Pastor uh, John Hanna um, out of Chicago. I was looking at a post that he made about um, Bishop Blake. And he was saying how he was waiting, you know, decades for this moment. And he yielded to his spiritual father to receive of that bequeathment or that blessing um, of laying on the hands, a transference of anointing, a transference of power, a transference of assignment, a transference of mantles, a transference of wisdom, integrity, honor, a whole lifetime of ministry of everything that Bishop Blake has been able to accomplish through his ministry. With the laying on of hands, there was spiritual impartation. I'll tell you, whether it's through conversation, um, through your business mentors, uh, whether it's through spiritual inheritance for your spiritual mothers and fathers, whether it's through um, coaching relationships that you may have. Whenever the honor begins to dissipate, the access will begin to diminish. Whenever honor begins to dissipate, the access will begin to diminish. And so you don't have to do anything overtly um, where it's like, oh, I want to demonstrate to you that I honor you. No, 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 no. What I'm saying to you is that honor is a heart posture that will influence your actions. Like, you can tell when something is false because it's forced. You can tell it's, it's false when it's forced. But when it's authentic, when it's organic, the honor will A, facilitate and meet a need, and it will open up a pathway of exchange. What did Paul tell Timothy? He said, don't say that you're afraid. No longer say you're a child. I know what's in you because I lay hands on you. And so that relationship will open up a huge pathway for you to be able to receive what God has destined for you. Something else that I wanted to share. So you got the, you got the acronym WISE. Wisdom, insight, strategy, Exposure and experience. Something else that I wanted to talk to you about is about how core values must be communicated 
in every relationship. So tonight, is, I'm really talking about relationships. Your core values must be communicated in every relationship that you're in. So I was doing business and uh, communicating back and forth with these with the with the local business, and there were some promises on their end that they hadn't yet fulfilled. Um, but it was not impeding the overall purpose for which we were collaborating. And so I understand there are certain details you have to work out and it works in timing. But because I saw the potential of where this relationship could go, uh, you don't, um, you don't blow up on the minor things. You don't magnify the minor things to sacrifice the relationship. What you do is you begin to fine tune and hone those things, make them aware, yes. Make sure that you set up some timelines and things like that. But if it's not impacting the overall relationship, you know, you don't major on the minor. Don't magnify the minor. And then there came a, a point in where there was some consideration that was needed to be exchanged and uh, it wasn't reciprocal. And so then at that point, I began to explain to them, OK, I know how to be extremely rigid. I know how to be to the letter, to the T. I've dotted every I, crossed every T. I'm aware of the contractual obligations. I understand what role everybody should be facilitating. And I gave them the optional, how they wanted to interact moving forward. I said, okay, if we want to go ahead and we want to live by the letter, then there are some things that I need to happen immediately. Or if we want to continue to live relationally, looking at the overall arching impact that we could have collaboratively, then here's the timeline for some things that I need to happen. And then if there's some things that you also need to happen by a certain timeline, let's communicate these core values so that we can avoid these common misunderstandings. You don't have to sacrifice an entire relationship just because you come to some bumps in the road. That's when maturity has to kick in. I know some people right now, I, I see it all on Instagram. Uh, it's a hot girl summer. It's all of this other stuff. And that has other implications and meaning, but you're ready to sacrifice an entire relationship when there has not been an exchange of communication of what the core values are. I want to explain to you for all of my young people that are getting married, for all of the people like there are some times where you compromise as it relates to some things where, where you may not share interest but marriage should never put you in a position where you compromise the integrity of the things that you believe. Now, we grow, we develop what we believe changes, but you don't have to compromise or violate your core values in order to be in a relationship with someone. And the moment someone asks you to do that, it is misuse and abuse because you can no longer function as what you were created to be. I was listening to Bishop Jakes one time and he was giving this example about uh, it was a monitor that he had on the stage. And he's saying how the monitor, yes, was strong enough to support his weight and he could use it as a seat. But it would be a misuse and an abuse of the intended use of that speaker or that monitor. So while other people are causing you or trying to bang you into a hole that you don't fit or trying to misuse or abuse you for something that they need, you have to have enough game or enough wisdom to realize, hey, this is not this is not me. But here's what you have to do when you understand that, when you become aware of that. 
is that you have to respond in such a way that it brings a peaceable result. What does that mean? That means that if you understand that somebody's trying to misuse, abuse, or hurt you, if you started out with the motive of love, love cannot be defeated. Uh, my pastor would say like this, love will put you in an uncomparable and in an unbeatable position. So you don't have to fight for victory when you know your motive is love and that love never fails and always wins. Now, you're going to learn some lessons. There's going to be some uncomfortability. There's going to be some pain. Uh, you know, and, and pastor says there's either pain to change or pain to remain the same. So there's going to be some difficulty there, but you don't have to respond in such a way that it makes the relationship where you can't be amicable. You have to make sure that you respond in such a way that it produces the best result for you. We have to communicate what our core values are. And you have to, uh, here's my challenge today. I always send out a challenge. I want you to write a personal mission statement. And I want you to also come up with what your core values are. Life is a business. You have to begin to run it as a business so that you know what your core values are. Why do you keep ending up in a relationship with the same person over and over again? They just have a different name and a different physical structure because you haven't clearly communicated to yourself or affirmed within yourself what your core values are. When you become clear about your core values and you begin to live those values, you'll draw to you everything that you need. Uh, there's a quote that I put on my Instagram for Ebron and Associates. By the way, everybody listening, please go to Instagram and uh, follow at Ebron and Associates, Ebron Associates, I'm sorry. And it says that whatever we give our attention to, it grows. And so if you're always focusing on drama, uh, always talking about haters going to hate and you're worried about who's posting to your timeline, reposting, hashtagging, screenshotting and sharing, then, of course, that drama will grow. But if you focus on peace and tranquility and meditation uh, where you're meditating on the word of God day and night and then you're going to know what good success will be, he'll bring you into a place of good success. Well, then that will grow. If you focus on cultivating relationships that are reciprocal and putting yourself in a position where you can learn from other people as well as share your expertise, then you'll get those co-working relationships that are beneficial for your business and your person. If you find that uh, I asked my wife a question today and I challenge every husband uh, to ask this question. Uh, I asked her, I said, how can I be a blessing to you today? And she gave me a a simple response, something that I could do. And I did that. And after, in the midst of me completing that, she reciprocated and said, you know, Bay, how can I be a blessing to you today? And I mean, hey, produced an awesome, awesome evening uh, to come. It was, I mean, we have date night tonight. It's going to be awesome. I'll give you the, you know, the rundown of it. But you have to make sure that you are communicating your core values and that if you begin to live from your core values, then everything that should be springing forth in your life, it will occur. And watch this. Even when you get it wrong, because you are living a disciplined principle life, you can always go back to the principle and begin again. So what happens when you don't have core values? When you make those mistakes, it produces a cyclical pattern because you don't have a foundation of principle to go back to that will bring correction and definition to what needs to happen next. Live a principled life. 
The other thing that I wanted to share with you is don't be afraid to ask for help. I was in a position, and I shared this with the young kings. I was raised by a very strong, proud, independent, tenacious uh, woman of God who just would not make any excuse for not producing what we needed in the household. What it also did, though, is that it produces a it produced within me a pathology that said, you don't ask anybody for help. I remember my mom telling me a story about how the uh, the light bill was due and she was going to get paid in like two days, two or three days. And she asked a family member who she knew had finances just sitting in the bank, said, hey, could you loan me X, Y, Z number of dollars? I get paid in two days and I'll pay it back. Now, my mom had given time, talents, treasure, money, effort, energy to this family member. And the family member refused to reciprocate. Told my mom, no, I will not give you any of that money because I need to be able to look at my bank account and see that my money is in my bank account. I know you're thinking the same thing as I, as I thought, like, wow, man, that's pretty rough. And so it hurt. And instead of processing the hurt, sometimes we just build a callus. Uh, you know, like when you're lifting weights, uh, if you don't have the proper gloves, uh, you begin to build callus because of the, the friction that occurs between the dumbbells, the weights, the bar, and the pressure of your hand. Your, your body responds, uh, it calluses it so that it doesn't produce any type of damage or hurt to your nerves as well as to your skin. So the body even responds when you're lifting a lot of weight without the proper support, it produces a callus. Well, hey, your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions, when injured, if you don't process it through principle, it will build a callus. And so that callous, my mom said, oh, you don't need anybody. You don't ask anybody for help. You make sure you have. Now, for me, hey, it made me tenacious. It made me say, listen, I got to get up and go get it. Can't depend on anybody else. You got to pray like it's up to God and work like it's up to you. I had all these different, you know, had all that stuff. And then you come to a place of freedom where I realized that that was grossly impacting uh, the favor that God wanted to uh, give to my family, you know, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and runneth over. Shall he cause men? That's somebody else to give unto your bosom. My commitment to God, my relationship to God, my principled life of living with God is going to cause me to have favor with God and favor with man that they will be compelled to give, to help. Pastor said, to cause people to use their power, their influence, their ability to help you. Man, I had a huge time accepting help. I'm talking about I would set up defense, tackles, had all this calloused heart, was just, uh, you know, and it's like when you, when, you, when you are calloused, it's like something sneaks through there where you expected somebody to be there to help you, and when they don't, oh, it breaks you into another piece where a callous develop on your heart, or the Bible will say it's a stony heart, right? And you need to get that word of God within your system so that that's where it goes, in the heart. 
It goes in the heart. If you let that word get into your heart, hide your word in that heart. It says because once that word gets in your heart, the Bible says out of the heart flows the issues of life. Out of the heart, it what? The abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. Every issue you have in your life, it first started in your heart. So examine yourself and reimagine the possibilities. In fact, let's go back to the drawing board. So I had a huge time uh, accepting help. And here's here's it's funny now. It wasn't funny then. Uh, 2011, I share it all the time. It's a, a monumental shift and transformational point in my life uh, where I lost my job. Uh, I accounted for 65 to 70 percent of our household income. Uh, my children were young. Uh, my wife was, you know, she was working, but she was also uh, supporting uh, the household and making sure that the kids and all of us had what we needed. So the finances were low. The debts were high. Everything was it was in a tumult. And so lost my job. Uh, we lost the cars. Uh, we eventually lost the home, uh, had to move out. But in the process of that, as a social worker, I knew the support that was available for people that were in my situation because I had referred so many people before. So I knew that there was help. But because I was not used to asking for help, uh, the method, uh, the methodia in the way that you do something. Man, it really dictates how people will respond to you. And some of you all are so hurt that even when you reach out to ask for help, you have an expectation that somebody is going to say no. And you're asking them and the way or the method that you're asking them because you're uncomfortable, it is blocking your blessing of receiving the help. All you have to do is humble yourself. Man, it's rough when you are in a position and you feel hurting and something that you lack and you have to humble yourself. Here's a good thought that I want you to think that may shift your paradigm is that whenever somebody helps you here on this earth, watch this. Even if they don't respond properly, even if they go out and tell everybody that they felt like you were able to accomplish this because they chose to help you. Uh, some people will even be so bold as to say that their help is the thing that made you. Oh, man, listen, don't don't even pay attention to those things because God will even cause your enemies to give unto you. When is the last time you saw somebody in a furniture store arguing with a footstool? That would look pretty foolish, right? Well, the Lord says that he will make your enemies your footstool. Why do you need a footstool so that you can ascend to higher heights so you can take that next step up? I'm not encouraging you to step on anybody. So don't take it that way, because that is what a hurt heart will say. Ebron says, step on somebody. You a footstool. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that when God positions somebody to help you, you reciprocate that love by appreciating and saying, guess what I was raised to say? Say thank you. And even if they don't respond in a way that you felt was necessary, because when you're hurting, one thing that I can guarantee that you are, because I was, is that you are very critical when you are hurting. You analyze, you criticize, you set up, you're looking for the, the cracks in the foundation. Just in case you have to fire back because somebody chose to help you, you have armed yourself with ammunition for, for the fight. That won't work. Allow yourself to process and heal and allow God to send somebody along your path to help you. What you have to realize, anybody that moves in a favorable fashion towards you on this earth, they have been commissioned by God. Man, let me tell you, DTE, 
during that time in 2011. I was trying to make those payments, couldn't do it. I got into a business relationship that I thought was going to produce some great income. Uh, we got ready to get to our uh, largest disbursement. And because I was operating, uh, my business acumen wasn't as sharp then. I was operating on uh, a word and a handshake. And when that disbursement came down, the person got ghost with the money. And, man, I had to go back home and let my wife know, like, hey, that large sum that was supposed to be coming, like, it's it's not coming any longer. And some of my uh, my uh, urban proclivities, uh, my predilection to go and find that money, it, it felt the urge to kick up. And uh, one thing that my wife encouraged me, that's why you got to have people that are there to support you. And I know she got this principle from our pastor. Say, hey, just tithe it to him. God is going to bless you. So she calls DTE. My wife does. And the lady is as kind. and But she still, all she does is gives an extension. And she gives an extension to a, a deadline of where I knew I wasn't going to have the money. So I call myself uh, in my social work fashion. I've been an advocate for everybody else. So surely it's time now for me to advocate for my own family. I've contacted DTE and I've, you know, I've uh, pushed people through uh, the program Thaw. And I've also been able to, you know, find other programs that were able to uh, pay for people's DTE. And DTE has another extension or arm where they can connect people and, you know, pay bills. And these are things that I knew. So when I'm having the conversation with the young lady, I said, listen, I'm going to be transparent with you. I'm in a very bad spot financially. And uh, I normally don't do this, but I really need your help. Uh, I really need your help. So if there's any program, and I asked it first, if there's any program that you can plug my family into, man, that would be greatly appreciated. Uh, we're just trying to rebuild here. And the young lady dares to tell me there is absolutely no help available for me. I knew that she was lying. I knew that there were programs. I knew that she had access. And the only thing she had to do was direct it to her manager. Her manager could then refer my name to whomever he or she needed to refer to and then provide the help. So when that block showed up, watch this. I talked to you about response. I responded in a very critical analytical fashion, breaking down all the conversation and telling her that her her restriction or her desire to not help me is now endangering, watch this, children and families. Oh, I went there. Yes, I did. And I was telling her about how unjust that this her actions were, how inconsiderate and even got to the point. I mean, I may have even said inhumane. You know how it is when you're under all that pressure, like somebody right now who's listening to me is under a lot of pressure and it's impacting all of your relationships because you're not speaking from a place of peace. You're speaking underneath all of that pressure and people are not able to even provide you solutions because you're under so much stress and pressure. Take a breath. Relax. Let it go. You can't change or add a cubit of stature to anything that's going on or your own life by being worried, by being anxious, by being forward. Like you have to speak from a place of peace in order to receive the help that is available to you. So back to the story. 
man, I was talking to that young lady uh, in a way like, hey, listen, no, you're going to help me. This is what's going to happen. Now, watch this. Not only did she reject my my request for help, she put a dig up order on the entire system of the house. Wow. Now, did she have to do that? Absolutely not. Did my actions toward her provoke that? Absolutely. It's a good thing that I knew some people. So I contacted those people. They were able to reverse the dig up order or halt it and, you know, make ensure that I received the help. But because I was unwilling to approach the situation with the right strategy and method, uh, my family could have been grossly impacted. I got a question for you. Who's depending on you to process this pain so that you all can receive the divine help that God wants to send your way? And how long will you allow your stinking thinking or attitude or disposition to block the progress and growth that God intends for your family? Like there comes a point where you have to just stop it. You have to confront it. You have to deal with it. You have to process through it because it is hurting everything attached to you. I'm not speaking from a place of 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 not having processed my own stuff. And like I'm telling you, you have to be sure that even if you want to maintain and hold on to that anger because that's what's comfortable. I want you to survey your entire life and look at who that's impacting. Because you can have all the positive intentions in the world. But if you're having a negative impact, you have to change what you're doing. I had to change what I was doing. And so now I'm in the position that if somebody wants to help me, uh, I sometimes I'll be honest. I have to take a breath because that old pathology may try to kick up. But because I understand and it was in my prayer time that God spoke to me, he says, son, if I'm going to help you, it'll be through another person. Man, that freedom, it released me into such healthy relationships because I didn't have a problem giving to people. Um, and I would exhaust everything I had to make sure somebody else who maybe didn't have. But when it came down to me being a person to receive help, I had a challenge and an issue with that. And I look back and I talked to my dad about it. And he had those challenges. And, and I talked to my mom about it. And she had those challenges. And, I wasn't fortunate enough to or blessed enough to be able to have conversation with my grandparents because they passed before I was born. But I'm I'm almost certain that if I talked to them about it, they would say that they also had challenges with that. And so here's an opportunity. Uh, We talk about destroying uh, generational curses and yokes. And here's a a great uh, method of deliverance is that when truth comes to you to deliver you, you shall know the truth. The truth shall what? Make you free. Like all you have to do is make a decision in the direction of your destiny, in the direction that you desire to go for your ultimate destination. And so now today is the day I told you that when truth shows up, grace also shows up. You have the grace needed that's necessary in order to make this shift for your family, to make this shift for yourself, to realize that you haven't exhausted all of the possibilities of your marriage. Maybe you just needed to shift that you haven't exhausted all of the possibilities on that job. Maybe you just need to come on with me. 
need to shift. Maybe it is not that you and your children are at odds with one another, but maybe the position in which you're engaging them, you just need to shift. That's my encouragement for you tonight. Is that you need to relinquish the pain, let it go, and embrace the love. Well, first, embrace the love of God. The love of God is the strongest support that I have ever encountered. The love of God has has never failed me. And in fact, he said, if I would hope in him, the scripture says, if I hope in him, hope make not a shame. He won't let me be ashamed if my hope is in him. My hope will lead me to faith. Faith is principle. In Jude, it says we must build ourselves up in our most holy faith. How do we build ourselves up in our faith? Well, faith coming by hearing, hearing come by the word of God. You got to be under somebody or also be declaring and decreeing this word in your atmosphere, in your environment, so that that word cannot just be on your lips, but it can be in your heart so that when trouble comes, what comes up is that word. What are some of those words? Well, you're more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus, that no weapon formed against you shall be able to prosper, that every tongue that rises in judgment against you, that thou shalt condemn, for that is your heritage as a servant of the Lord, and your righteousness is of him, saith the Lord. And here's the good thing as it relates to your life and your relationship with Jesus Christ is that he who knew no sin became sin for you, that you might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So when we engage God, when we have a conversation with God, we don't approach us from a, from a position of of deficit because the blood of Jesus Christ has already made us and redeemed us and made us whole within him. Here's where the work begins. We have to work out, as the older generation would say, work out your soul salvation. Work out what's going on with your mind. What has influenced you to the point that this is what you believe about you? Who has affirmed you? Who Who did not affirm you? Who spoke some negative words or word curses over you? That says that you won't accomplish anything, that you'll be just like your daddy, that you're doomed to repeat, you know, the the curse on the family, that all of these things that you're seeing manifest in your life that either A, is something you believe, something you spoke or something uh, that you find as a repeat in your bloodline. The awesome thing about it is that your bloodline, your natural heritage uh, is no is no no challenge or it doesn't even stand the test against your spiritual inheritance, that your natural bloodline must become subject to the blood of Jesus Christ. And so it is the blood that washes us and cleanses us. And here's the other amazing thing is that when Christ was ascending, he said, let them be washed with the word. And so we talk about the filthiness of the flesh or we talk about the things of the natural. Uh, I don't smoke. I don't drink. I don't chew. I don't run around with them that do. I don't curse. I don't do all of these other things. Yeah, but your heart is full of hate. Or, yeah, but you you actually kind of broken um, not to be meat for the master's use, but you're broken because you have been abused, that you've been misused, that you've been hurt and disappointed. But here's the thing. Come to the brook that never runs dry. Come to the well that never runs dry. And allow the healing salve of the love of God to touch your heart. I hope that in me sharing tonight, just some real practical things. I wanted to come on here and tell you, like, hey, man, you have to learn how to appreciate the distance and maintain a position of honor with all of those who have mentored you. Like there are some of your lives that when you tell the story of your life or when they chronicle your history 
Uh, there are certain people in your life that they definitely have to include in the narrative. Like when you tell my story or my story is told or when my legacy is produced or presented, like you can't talk about my legacy without talking about Dr. Jeanette Louise Subtle Ebron, my mother. When you talk about uh, my life and impacting lives and education and how I'm able to be, you know, a man of God, like you can't talk about that without mentioning Apostle Dr. Oscar J. Dowdell Underwood Jr. When you talk about my ability to speak with authority and power and to pray and to minister and to love and to have community outreach and to understand what it is to, to operate in grace and truth, because I didn't have any grace. I only had truth. I was just real, real hard before, uh, you know, I got a chance to meet, be mentored by and my pastor, the chief apostle, Dr. Carolee Dixon, labored with me uh, to be able to change those defaults in my character. Like you can't tell my story without mentioning those three people. And then you also have to understand that there are people in your life when you begin to script your narrative, that their love for you is the thing that has made the difference. So you must keep a position of honor with all of your mentors. And then you have to be wise. What wisdom, insight, strategies, exposure and experience. You have to have that. You have to have that wisdom. And then lastly, you must communicate your core values within every context and every relationship so that you can avoid the most common misunderstandings because there have been some boundaries that have been violated because you haven't properly communicated what your core values are. And then lastly, you have to relinquish the hurt and embrace the love. My central objective in having this podcast is to inspire, motivate, and transform. Now, my business, Ebron and Associates, we consult, develop, and support personal, professional, organizational transformation. I am the gentleman, the guy, my team, and I, we coach the gaps. We help you get from one place to the next place. We provide the support that's needed. We provide the, the insight, the wisdom, the strategy, the exposure, and the experience. Uh, that's necessary in order to get you there. If that's something that you're interested in uh, or something touched your heart today, please comment below. Uh, if something is on your mind and you have a question, uh, hey, listen, we're not so large at this moment that you won't be able to get directly to me. Please inbox me. I'll, I will hit you back. Uh, please make sure that you share this message, uh, whether it's through sharing it on Facebook, Instagram or what have you. I want you to understand that your future is not behind you, that is not before you, it is within you. I'm Andre Ebron, and I need you to appreciate the distance.